Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, DirecTV. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you're a student actively enrolled in a college or university, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. Plus, there's an exclusive student discount. To see if you are eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Packages are also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. We've all made some bad choices in life. I know I have. But this is not about me. It's about you. Don't make where you play fantasy football a bad life decision. Play Yahoo Fantasy Football. Yahoo offers up free expert advice, has the best player experience, and they'll never delete your league history like other apps. Yahoo also has all kinds of fantasy games, like the new best ball. Just draft and you're done. No trades, no waivers, no drama. All season. Yahoo is the number one rated app by the FSGA. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Fantasy Football. Welcome to Antonio Brown's Foot Clinic and welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Danny Heifetz and I'm joined by the fantasy analyst we need, the analyst we deserve, my co-host, my co-Danny, the Dark Knight, Danny Kelly. DK, what is on your mind? Well, now I'm just thinking about uh, Antonio Brown's feet, which is the weirdest <laughs> story of the year. But uh, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking about? I was also thinking about Antonio Brown's feet. Yeah, just, that's just weird. If I don't know. you Googled it, you know, and don't Google it if you haven't. Flabbergasted. Um, yeah, well, that's the word. We are continuing our positional breakdown. We have an entire episode devoted to quarterbacks. We have an entire episode devoted to running backs. And now we have an entire episode to the top 50 players and drafts this year. You can check out those episodes in the Ringer NFL show feed. You can also check out the top 150 rankings on the ringer.com. Today, we have an entire episode devoted to wide receivers you need to know in fantasy in 2019. But first, we're going to just yell at each other for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> PPR, divisive. I think it's participation trophies. And in the last few years, ESPN switched standard from no PPR scoring. Now their default is PPR. Yes. Yahoo's default now is half PPR. So point per reception has gone from a weird kind of fringe, grungy thing to now the dominant form of fantasy football. And we kind of take it for granted, but we wanted to just talk about it off the top of like, why? And like, is it a good thing? And it's kind of accepted. I'm now have come through all the way the other side. I started thinking it was really weird. And then I've been doing it for, I don't know, five or six years at this point. Now I'm back through the other side. It's a participation trophy. And here's why. My fundamental issue is if it's third and two and you have the team's running back, if that person runs for three yards and gets the first down, that is not as valuable as them catching a screen and losing a yard, even at half PPR. It's you'd rather them catch the ball and lose yardage than get the first down. I it, it's insane to me. You can lose yardage and get points. I just couldn't care less about that. <laughs> Hell yeah, DK. That's nuts. It's like... there's. I literally could not care less about that point. I like I just, half because it's in the middle and nobody can bitch. Half is just... You're literally no man's land. If this was World War One, you'd just be between two trenches like, guys, get off guys. Freaking, get off the fence, man. Come on. Yeah, come on. Put the fucking side. You get a little bit of points for catching the football because catching the football is hard. You don't get one full point because it's not that hard. Fuck that. I respect DK because at least he commits. It's like half is like... Ah. The entire company of Yahoo yeah. agrees with me, so... Look, man. Look, I just Hide think it, it's really, really boring, and I just don't like it when I'm in a league where it's like you're one of your main starters gets like seven points. I just like points. Like, give me as many points. I don't even care. Like, I like the, I like the accelerators, like a hundred yard accelerators. I know people hate those. I like those. Bring them on. Any way that you can add points, any way that you can add another layer of um how you kind of like find guys that are going to score score points to me that is more fun and interesting Deshaun so, Jackson. the problem with your generation your dopamine rushes from your push notifications <laughs> and your instagram likes and you need all these points and it's it has no correlation to reality do don't you think Deshaun, <laughs> real don't world. you think Deshaun Jackson having one catch for 70 yards and Jarvis Landry having 10 for 70 should be different no i do 
Because I, look, I understand that point, but I don't think there's nine more points of value. The yard. The, How about five? The goal, the point of football, is to move the chains and score touchdowns. And like, if you take baseball. The point's to get on base, move people on base, and score runs. You don't give people points for making contact. That's what a catch is. A catch in and of itself is meaningless. It's there's no difference between a catch and a carry, especially they had no yards. It doesn't feel like we're gonna find common ground on this. Well, Bill agrees with me, so I win. <laughs> so let's just go into the freaking awards because you all guys right, suck. Let's, yeah, let's um, get, let's get into it. All right. <laughs> Everybody has a guy at each position heading into draft. DK, who's your guy right now at wide receiver this year? Uh, speaking of Bill, I like Julian Edelman of the Patriots. I mean, I just Homer. think right now he is very under um, undervalued based on his ADP and where he is going in drafts. Um, he's a currently the wide receiver 15 in PPR. Last year from week five on, he was wide receiver 12 in PPR. Obviously, people kind of forget that he was suspended for the first four years, so that kind of lowered his bottom line. But I think Games, not years. Full- just to clarify. James, sorry, yeah. Long suspension. Uh, that, yeah, that would be a serious suspension. Um, but, I mean, going forward, there's even, there's more targets to go, you know, go towards him this year with, obviously, Gronkowski retired, and they just don't really have anyone in that offense, in that passing offense. Nikhil Harry's, like, reviews in, in training camp have been sort of lukewarm at best, I'd say. And so, um I mean, he's going to just get a million targets. And PBR particularly, I think he's very undervalued. He's a guy that I'm looking for, um, you know, pretty much every draft because I think he's going to just be a really like a strong value this year. Yeah, uh, Matthew Berry's 100 Facts column, which we've referenced a few times and is a, a great read. He had one blew me away, which was in Edelman's past 16 regular season games without Rob Gronkowski, he has 180 targets. <laughs> Which That's blew great. my mind. Yeah. Um, Edelman, yeah, you mentioned the suspension that obviously he was the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he's at billboards all over Los Angeles. You cannot go anywhere in Los Angeles on the West Side without seeing Julian Edelman. So are you worried that now that he's famous and cachet and he's 33 and coming off like the best stretch of his life, he's going to lose his edge? No. No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, the trust like factor between him and, and Tom Brady, the chemistry they have there in terms of like, the, the Patriots offense is all about those like route adjustments and, and um, you know, changing up the routes at the line of scrimmage, all that. I think it's going to be hard for some of these newcomers to learn the offense really, really well. I think that gives Edelman a big edge. I just think they're, yeah, again, like, I mean, like Barry said, he's going to get a ton of targets. I think that's just going to pay off really, really well in PPR. So again, he's just a guy I'm really going for. More like Julian Edgelman because he's got an edge. My guy this year is Cooper <laughs> Cup of the Los Angeles Rams. Yes. I love I love security blanket guys. You guys know my thoughts about moving into the slot. I love slot guys. Anytime anyone's in the slot, I'm in. I love Edelman. <laughs> I love Doug Baldwin. <laughs> Kenny Allen. That one. Golden Anytime. Tate. There's just I know this makes no sense, but from a fantasy perspective, there's the guy on the couch. There's something visually comforting about seeing the receiver on your fantasy team being closer to the quarterback. You're like, oh, his ra- <laughs> like it's literally easier to throw it to him than the guy on the far end of the field. I used to remember watching like AJ Green. You couldn't even see him on the camera, and you're like, he's not gonna get the ball. It's because Skycam is the, the truth, but <laughs> PFF that's neither here nor there. PFF did a study on this. I don't have it in front of me, but. Um, I, what they found is that targets to slot receivers have a higher EPA than any other place on the field. So there you go. Um, there you go. Yeah, Expected it, points it, it, added for the um, people who don't have PFF studies in front of them. Cup? DK thinks he's a professional, doesn't even have the PFF studies in front of him. <laughs> what are you doing? DK? He just has right, it I can't pull it up that fast. I didn't know he was going to say on, that. Come on, man. So. Um, Cup's been a wide receiver two or better in 47% of his games, which is better than Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton. In his seven full games he played last year before he was hurt, he had great numbers. He was on pace for 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and 12 touchdowns, which would have Jeez. made him the wide, re- wide receiver 12 last year. Um, he's gonna, he gets a pretty good tar- target share percentage considering he's on a team with Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. Um, he has a great catch rate. He's got really sturdy hands. He's had at least five catches or 70 yards in every game last year. And, uh, and even if you take his last 16 games that were um, when he was healthy, which includes his rookie year, which you know a lot of rookie wide receivers actually aren't very good, he was basically the same thing. He was a wide receiver 13. I just think he's, he's a safe. Eastern he's like, Washington's finest. I'm here's sure. my thing. It's this is the this is a guy coming off. I mean, he's on a great timeline with this ACL recovery. I mean, nine months. So it's. I mean, that's the worry, though, right? The, the quicker ACL. side, and he's on an offense that is one of the least predictable in terms of who's going to be getting the ball on a weekly basis. Now he was there for the peak of the Rams' offense. That's kind of chicken or the egg. 
you can say it's cup was the reason they were so great was because they were full strength. I'd argue that it was just the first five weeks of a really great McVay offense. And then I don't think they can match that stretch. So you're not worried at all about having a guy that just might not be the level last year. And like, who knows how he would have been for the final 12 games. I mean, I'm just, I just don't love cup and I don't love the Rams receivers this year. It's worth for where they're going. I think he's the safest out of the three of them. Oh, wow. Over Brandon Cooks? Yeah. You draft Cup before Cooks? Yeah. Wow. DK, what do you think of that? I'm thinking about that. I mean, I don't like hate that thought. I don't personally do that, but I don't like hate that thought. It's an interesting one because I I do think like back to the EPA thing, like it is, he is getting so many looks, especially in PPR, like he might have the most value. Just to clarify EPA for a second, because it's an important one. Expected points added. Yeah. Yeah. That's the... It's not quite war for football, but it's the closest there is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a stat It's a stat that essentially tracks every play of every game ever and like assigns a value for what every play does. I don't actually know exactly the definition of EPA, but it's, uh, it's a good stat to kind of measure um, how important every play is. And the stat says, Sean McVay threw the Cooper Cup, you goon. There's also something to be said about trust. They talk about Tom Brady, you know, he needs trust from his wide receivers, and that's why him and Edelman are so good. Cooper Cup, Jared Goff, roommates in training camp. You know what? Another fact about Jared Goff, his teammates will say he sucks at Madden. That's a really bad quality to quarterback, in my humble opinion. <laughs> and, <laughs> who cares? That means he's not playing video games. He's practicing being quarterback. Maybe this white can't oh, see receivers man. getting open. My guy this year is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I will refer as... MVS for the rest of this podcast. This is an interesting one. So this is your guy. This is my guy. This is like the guy that you you're gra- you're drafting him in every draft, and you're just like looking for him on it in every draft. Well, so here's the thing: I want the Packers' second receiver, and I love Geronimo Allison so much, and I loved him last year. But I think that Allison's fallen behind, and I think that at mm. the end of the season, MVS among the receivers will be second in targets and receptions of the Packers. Maybe Jimmy Graham can pass him. I think MVS ends up second. It's pretty simple. I mean, he's a fifth rounder NC, fifth rounder out of NC State last year, 581 yards and 38 catches. Um, mostly he had a great October. Uh, he had 317 yards and two touchdowns across a few games. He basically stepped up because Geronimo Allison got hurt. And I need to highlight Geronimo's injury for a moment. He had a concussion in week four, and then he added a hamstring injury, returned to practice, and had a what was described as a core muscle injury. But here's Geronimo Allison describing it. Quote, I tell people that it honestly felt like my testicles twisted. Allison said, pausing Ah, for a moment to let that sink in. Quote, that was the feeling that I felt. The trainers came over to me and checked on me. And those were the words out of my mouth. I feel like my testicles twisted. The article goes on. What really happened, Allison found out later, was that he, quote, basically tore my adductor muscles from my pelvis. Oh, my God. God. I was just reading the doc. (laughs) I say all that, one, because it's I just kind of wanted to say it. But two, because Dan Graziano reported this week that Allison looked a little behind at training cramp from the recovery. Mm. Uh, This is tough because I love Geronimo Allison. And in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that. Deep down, you know, he's going to be good. But deep down, I don't know if he's so good. And Rodgers really, from what we can tell, trusts three receivers. Devontae Adams is on another level. And the only receivers that established any trust or rapport with him last year was Allison and then MVS after him. And there is just a mishmash under him of young receivers who have do not get it and are not on the same page with Rodgers. All these, like, they didn't really add anyone this year. Randall Cobb left. Allison's going to be in the slot. MVS and Devontae in the outside. I'm not confident in Geronimo being healthy. And I think the only player other than Devante, who's on the same page as Rogers is really going to be MVS and Graham. I think MVS really ends up great and he's not being drafted that high. So I think, yeah, he has a, he has amazing potential as like a huge value. It's going to be funny when after spending, cause I'm really high on Allison too, like spending the whole preseason talking about Allison and, and uh, MVS, like Jake Kumaro is the number two. Dude, Kumaro. No, he, Here's my point is Valdez Scantling, and I feel like when York comes out, Val Scantling, MVS, he's like a twelfth round pick, and this guy could become the second target for Rogers. So no, I know, I think I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a good value. You're not with me. You said it was a curious pick at the top. I I, I wanted you to convince me, and you did. Wow. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, well, sticking with Green Bay, now bet your life, guy. If you had to bet your life on one guy in that position having an amazing, awesome year, who is it? Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of spoiled it. Yeah, this goes to almost everything that you just said, which is the Packers have a very unclear pass catcher core behind Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams is going to have, uh, like 
like Julian Edelman, a million targets this year. He actually finished one short of the lead um, in the targets last year with 169. Um, he's just automatic. He, he's he's Rogers' go-to guy. He scored 35 touchdowns last three seasons, which I think is kind of quietly second only to Antonio Brown. He's super, super consistent. He talked. He uh, he scored double-digit points in all but one game in standard, and he was better than 16 points in PPR leagues in every game. So, I mean, he's just he week in, week out. He's a threat. He's been durable. He's been uh, a touchdown scorer. He, he's just really, really good. I think that guy. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good choices in this category because there's an amazing amount of like elite receivers in the NFL right now. But yeah, I think Adams to me is the guy who I'd just be like, I bet on bet on him for consistency. Yeah, he knows where his bread is buttered and does what Roger says. Craig, what's what's your amazing Devontae stat again? Uh, if you took his worst game last year and extrapolated it over a 16 game span, he would be the wide receiver 12. That's He'd still be a wide receiver one. Unbelievable. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Craig, who is your guy this year? Um, you know, like they say, drafting, I'm sorry, I bet your life guy. Can't you're right. If I had to bet my life, they say, like Matthew Barry says, you can lose your draft in the first round, you can't win it. So I want consistency, and that's why Julio Jones. There's a million stats to describe why Julio Jones has been so amazing every year, but. Yeah. Simple one, here is PPR finishes in the last five years. Fourth, seventh, sixth, second, sixth. And in standard, fifth, <laughs> sixth, sixth, second, eighth. And last people, year- People and, are so mad about the touchdown things too. too. Like, so, so he does all that while scoring no touchdowns. Can you imagine <laughs> if he had 13 touchdowns one year? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I actually, I wrote about- It's there's gonna a, happen. I have a piece on the site about that today. And if, I mean, the too long don't read version is what Craig said, but like, imagine if he actually starts scoring touchdowns. Yeah. And also- his basically his price does not reflect that he led the league in touchdowns in the second half. Everyone just remembers the first half, the first seven games, he didn't have one. And he was like second in the league in receiving and then had no touchdowns. But the second half, he led yeah. the goddamn league. And if he goes anywhere near that pace, it's as Craig just said, he's top six or seven every year just with his receiving floor. And if he actually scores touchdowns, I mean, he just he's a, a weird person was like, not weird person. I mean, he's a, it's a weird situation where high floor and high a really ceiling. high ceiling at the top 12. Like, that just doesn't happen. So, love Julio. Appreciate it. He's like Drake, you know? It's just been dominant for so long. No one no one appreciates him anymore. <laughs> no, nothing. Okay. No, oh, yeah. I think he has no, oh, more boy. number one hits than the Beatles, I think. <clears throat> God, you know what? That's my fault. I brought this upon us. <laughs> Speaking of Drake, bandwagon pick. Uh, these are people we like. Maybe even like a lot, but we're worried that there's so many people in the bandwagon that they're no longer good draft values. Yeah. So DK, who's a who's a bandwagon guy for you? It's getting too full. <sighs> so my guy's Kenny Galladay of the Lions. And again, baby to reiterate, to, to reiterate exactly what you just said, yeah, Baby Tron, which is my nickname for my infant um <laughs> named Calvin. So <laughs> anyways from Kenny Galladay. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Galladay. Uh really good player, really awesome player. Uh I'm a little bit worried about that offense though. Um he had a really abysmal catch rate last year, just 58.8%, even though he finished ninth among all players in air yards. So he and Matt Stafford left plenty on the bone last year. That is something that I'm kind of interested in, but they're going to be such a low, I, I feel like they're going to be such a low volume offense. They're not going to pass the ball a lot. They're going to want to run a lot. Um, you know, Daryl Bevel is kind of the wild card in all this, and, and it really just kind of de- depends on what they do offensively. You know, are they going to be, are they going to kind of like surprise us and, and be a pass heavy team? Maybe. Um, but right now I'm not super confident that's going to be the case. Marvin Jones is going to be back for the full year. Um, you know, they're just, I, there's, they got uh, Danny Amendola in town. There's a couple other guys like TJ Hawkinson that could start to, to eat into targets there. Um, so that to me is like the worry I think there's the one thing I will say that I'm excited to see what happens in this offense is if they start doing play action more because last year Stafford utilized play action on just 18.9% of his passes, which was 33rd out of 37 qualifiers. Um, This year, if he goes up to like, say he's like a top 10 play action passer, like his numbers could skyrocket. So that to me is sort of like the big what if, and I don't have 100% confidence it's going to happen. I think Galladay's kind of just priced out of my like my comfort zone, so I haven't really been taking him a ton. I mean, he's a great dynasty guy, but for this season, I'm not so sure. He's going as the wide receiver 17 right now. You're 42nd overall-ish. Um, would you rather him or the one of the Rams trio? I mean, in PPR, yeah, I'd probably prefer Cup. Um, 
I mean, really, it may be any of those. Like you're picking, it's pick, you're picking the offense too, right? Like the Rams' offense is a super explosive. Scored more points than any other team, other than the Chiefs. Maybe I actually don't have it in front of me, but they score a ton of points. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I to me, it's it's more like less just confidence in the Lions' offense in general than Kenny Galladay. So the next guy, it's actually kind of the same person, the same idea of like, are we actually just confident in this offense? Is the larger question, but Craig. Your bandwagon pick is the bandwagon pick. It's Chris Godwin. I feel like that man has garnered so much momentum. Uh, He's going as a wide receiver 21 in PPR leagues, which is right after Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. At the end of the day, this is still a Jameis Winston offense, and it could all crater miserably. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, there's Mike Evans on the team. There's OJ Howard on the team. You know, we don't know how this target distribution is going to go, but I found this interesting stat. Looking at the past Bruce Arians offenses, no one is... The second wide receiver on his offenses on the Cardinals have never done anything. In 2017, Fitz had 109 catches, the next most, 33. In 2016, Fitz had 107, the next best, 80, and it was David Johnson, John Brown, 39. In 2015, Mm. Fitz had 109, the next best, John Brown, 65. In the last year, 2014, Fitz had 63, John Brown, 48. So there's not a huge history of the wide receiver two in an Arians offense blowing up. Um, I'm just going to wait a little longer on Godwin. I think Chris Godwin is like a cult in the strange corner of like the he's got God fantasy, in his he's been, he's been hyped the, up every year for, weird for world of like fantasy analytic yeah. Twitter intelligentsia of which we dabble uh it's he is the most hyped player I think I've ever seen his, I've never his last seen name sounds like God as one. many yeah God is one right if only it's like or maybe he has who knows? well that's, that's beyond the scope of what we're doing here <laughs> that's but, next episode but really I, I have never seen a single player as hyped for the last two years as Chris Godwin by the consensus of like smart fantasy people right and like I get why like he was very productive in college he was like a standout during the Rose Bowl of like Penn State versus USC and I mean it's seven I mean Mays wrote about him on the site today as one of the most fun players to own he had seven touchdowns. 842 yards last year, even though he had 222 f- fewer snaps than Mike Evans. He was amazing in the red zone. One of the best red zone receivers. Yeah, oh yeah. He was up there oh, with yeah. like DeAndre and Antonio Brown in terms of red zone targets. It's like the best four receivers in football. And Chris Godwin, uh, Mays also pointed out, Arian said he believes Godwin could be a 100-catch guy. But I'm serious. Like This is the most hyped person I think I've ever seen. Just by consensus of people who are like, this is one of my five most hyped guys this year. It's like he's on every list. So... Is the value getting squeezed out or is it is this real DK? <laughs> I yeah, that is the question. I, I really I don't know what to tell you. Cause I agree, like he is probably I mean, it's gonna take a lot for him to match the hype. Can he do it? I think it's possible for sure. Um, but the early rounds are all about mitigating opportunity cost. And you're passing up some really good players in this range. Um, right now his ADP is 50. So yeah, it's it's just up to the uh, it's up to the individual drafter. The other thing that we're kind of not like everyone talks about is the Bruce Arians offense, which I think it will be, and it's that's one hundred percent true. But Byron Leftwich is actually I supposed supposed to be calling plays, I believe. So um, that's another layer of, I guess, variance that we don't really know exactly what that's going to look like. I'm assuming it's going to be the Bruce Arians offense, but um, you know, there, there's just a lot of like question marks and the the Jameis Winston thing does make me a little bit nervous um but yeah i don't know it, it's it's one of those things where you just got to kind of like sometimes he he's a high upside guy that is a little bit risky i think so the next award we have is the the Mahomes Christian McCaffrey award it's for league winners it's guys that outside the top in the second third fourth round who could just end up top 5 at their position next year you have Mike Evans so yeah are you worried enough about Jameis that you don't like you, you don't like Chris Godwin, but you're not worried about Mike Evans? Well, I like, to be clear, I like Chris Godwin. I'm not quite as worried as you guys are about it. Um, but I think Evans is the clear one in this. And t- to what Craig was saying, like the one in those Arians offenses have always, have always like produced. They're, they're always like the vertical element of that offense is huge. Um, and I just think the other thing is Evans has done it. Like, you know what I mean? Like Godwin has shown flashes and Evans has done it. Um, he's going right now as wide receiver nine, ADP 21. Mike Evans, that is. Mike Evans, yeah. He's got incredible ceiling. I think he was the wide receiver three in PPR back in 2016. So, I mean, he's he's produced on an elite, elite level. 
And for comparison, um, Chris Godwin's going time. roughly 50th overall. He's like the 21st receiver going. He's actually right around Cooper Cup and Deshaun Watson in ADP. Yeah. Um, Evans, just a couple of numbers. I was uh, just like looking through Twitter today. Like he stacked 800 yard games last year, which was the third most. That was Field Yates posted that. Um, that was third tied with Juju Smith-Schuster, only behind Julio and Adam Thielen. Uh, he's had the fourth most receiving yards over the last three years. He's a big play machine. Uh, third behind Julio and Hopkins in 15-plus yard receptions last year. So, I mean, again, he's done it. And I think his target numbers are going to go up. He had 139 targets last year. I think his numbers could get closer to what he had in 2016 when he had 175 targets, 96 catches, 1,300 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Um, so this is the, again, this is the league winner award, the guy that will potentially be in the top five going into next season. I think Evans is, he has elite, elite potential, you know, if everything kind of goes right and he's got the talent and the system and all that. So he, he's right now is the guy outside the top five that I think could rise. I think just the Bucks are really interesting because you have four really different players and you have James Winston, who everyone who believes in Arians and left, which and what, what we are projecting with where Mike Evans is going and Chris Godwin's going and OJ Howard. We've talked about how the disparity between the Bucks' skill players and what we expect the receiving volume to be versus Jameis Winston, where he's being drafted and what we do not expect his passing volume to be. There's just this weird disconnect where either Jameis is way more valuable or one or more of the Bucks pass, uh, pass catchers are not going to go. So Craig, are you, I mean, you're the one who brought up Godwin at first as a guy, too many people in the bandwagon. So do you think Godwin is the one who falls out of the group or because you don't believe in James. I do believe in James. Oh, you do. Sorry, you do. I'm confusing with DK. So you, yeah. you think everyone does and James is the sleeper. Yeah, I think, you know, the tide raises all boats. Um, but I'm just much more into to Evans than Godwin. I don't know. Also, the red zone distribution, like on a team with Mike Evans, OJ Howard, and Chris Godwin, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it's tough to bank the touchdown in red zone success Godwin had last year and think that's going to repeat. Exactly. Yeah, it's super variable. Yeah. I yeah that that that's the main point to me. Um, speaking with like red zone distribution, so uh, the Steelers last year, Antonio Brown left. He had I mean he led the league in receiving touchdowns. I believe he led the league in red zone targets as well. And now he's gone. And I think in the again in the weird fantasy analytics corner of Twitter, there's a lot of discussion about the Steelers have lost a bunch of targets and stuff. But more interestingly, like the Steelers are going to have to. They have a lot of stuff in the red zone to change. Like their whole offense changes without Antonio Brown. Like, I, how, like, Craig, I see you have Juju here. Yeah. Jim Holmes guy. We've really, we've talked about him a lot. Check the last pod. We, uh, DK, I believe, hit on him a lot. So this is the Patrick Mahomes Christian McCaffrey award. And he's obviously not the Patrick Mahomes because he's not going in the, at 112th, but that <laughs> he, he's much more Christian McCaffrey where he's like the second round pick that next year I think will be could be the top three, four pick at the position. Because yeah. right now he's going as the wide receiver seven. All I think is that next year he could go as the wide receiver two or three. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the lack of competition for targets is rare in any NFL offense. And although I agree with everything you said back on the running back pot about, the Steelers are going to be a much more balanced offense this year. I think James Conner's a great pick for that reason. But he didn't score many touchdowns last year. I think that's obviously going to turn the other way. And as the wide receiver eight last year with only seven touchdowns, I see a kind of no way that he finishes below that. Little known fact, Craig is a Steelers fan. Yeah, you got to disclose that shit, dude. To who? <laughs> well, I don't talk about Saquon without being like, I'm a Giants fan, but Deacon doesn't mention I roast For the record, I, I, I agree with Craig here. Like, also, I Juju's think. like the first likable skill position player in a while in Pittsburgh. So. Juju's like two down to earth. <laughs> My next one, all right, yeah, I kind of fudge this one a little bit. I... I, I, if you're looking in the second round, I agree. It's Juju or Mike Evans. So I started to look a little bit beyond the reach of what we usually do with the McCaffrey award. And again, it's like the McCaffrey Mahomes award. We usually look for a second or third round. It'll be top five. But I wanted to push myself a little bit mostly because Craig and DK took my guys. And I was like, <laughs> if we had to look at guys more toward the 80 to 20, uh, 80 to 100 overall range that like could be like a top six or seven guy next year, like who would it be? And I was like, if you really think about it, so the Cardinals last year were 29th in pass attempts. They had 495. Last year, the Steelers were first with 689. And I was like, it's not nuts to think that with Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals could go from 495 to 695 in 2019. They're That's sure not as hell going to try. They're yeah. going to try. I don't know if this is going to work. I mentioned how I don't love David Johnson's value in part because, yeah, this all looks awesome on paper, but I want to see it. And then first round pick for David Johnson, I want a little like security in my first round pick. I don't want to fail. 
I am totally down to take a massive risk with Christian Kirk at the 81st pick. He's going like the 33rd among wide receivers. I don't want to be on board this Cardinals experiment in the first round. The 80s, get me <laughs> get me on this. Because if there's 200 more targets, he's the only one with experience. So Evan yeah. Silva's pointed this out and they just started the establish the run. They're going to have two slot receivers. We love slot receivers because it's like those infomercials late at night. Like, oh, do you want to be happy? Buy this and you can pay in monthly installments for your dopamine. But it's like Christian Kirk is going to replace Larry Fitz and slot. He would have last year if not for just they, Larry Fitz can't play anywhere else. There are four receiver sets. They'll have two slot receivers and Kirk's the only, like they have two rookies that are going to line up. If I think that Kirk could just target his way to doing like 140 targets. And it's like, oh shit, he's going to enter next year. Like Larry Fitz maybe retires and wow. Okay. By default. So that's my only thought of like a real like moonshot guy. Yeah. I mean, you're chasing You're he's already efficient, I think. And he got a high volume of their total targets, you know, like or his, uh, his target share was high last year. And then if you just extrapolate, like, like you said, like 200 extra passes, I just think, yeah, it's definitely really interesting. All right. So the Phil Lindsay award, which is the out of nowhere stud guy. No one is talking about that could be a major fantasy player. Um, I'm going James Washington because it's the same principle. Someone people liked last year. And then now everyone's like, Oh, and Tony Brown left. James Washington's still there. Wasn't like, an amazing rookie at 21 years old, like Juju Smith-Schuster was, and everyone just forgets he exists. I think this, he's going to be second on targets in the Steelers this year. I think Juju's obviously going to be at the top. I think, I mean, I, I'm no longer worried about Dante Moncrief. I was intrigued by him. Entering training camp, it does not seem like he's made an impact. I think Deontay Johnson, um, who was like one of the fifth round rookie or sixth round, is going to beat him for the job. And then Dante, and then James Washington's going to be their main number two along with Juju, and I think he's going to have an incredible season, and it, he's basically free in drafts. He's almost borderline, like, undrafted, and it's wild to me that that's even possible. Or, sorry, no, he's, like, 120th, but still. You're really, you're really going with, like, the definition of the award because he has only drawn, I think, negative reviews in camp. I haven't really heard anything good yet. Like, he's fallen behind Moncrief and Deontay Johnson. Uh Based I still kind of like camp reports and everything. So this is a major projection in my mind. I look if Deontay John if two weeks from now that's still the case. I like De- Deontay Johnson even over Dante Moncrief, but I've kind of fallen out of love with Dante Moncrief, and I think Deontay Johnson or James Washington. But I do think James Washington ends up the job at a camp. But whoever the second receiver is, but not Dante Moncrief. That's All right, fair enough. Uh, for me, I'm going Albert Wilson of the Dolphins. People kind of forget about him because he missed, I believe, all but seven games last year. Um, with a hip injury, but he was, while he was on the field, he was like one of the most dynamic, exciting players in the NFL. No one noticed because he was on the Dolphins, but um, he was like the best yards after the catch guy in the NFL. He had, he broke off a couple, I want to say like 60 plus yard touchdowns a couple of times in a couple of games. And so um, he's coming back. I, I don't know if he's fully back on the field yet. So there's a little bit of doubt there, but to me, he's the kind of guy who, could really, really outplay his ADP. Right now, I think he's 80, ADP 80, or sorry, wide receiver 80, ADP of over 200, so he's virtually free. Um, but last year, he was averaging 13.8 PPR points per game, which would have been good for wide receiver 26 on a per-game basis. Um, that's a high-end wide receiver three spot, and you can get him for free. Um, he's not going to have, last year he had, let's see here, 13 yards after the catch uh, per reception, which is not sustainable, clearly. But over his career, he's been really, really good after the catch. He was second on qualifiers in yak per reception in 2017. He was ninth in 2015. So it's not like it was a total fluke. It's going to go down, sure. But he's also, he's he's proven it year over year that he's very, very dynamic in the open field. And so with no real clear lead guy, uh, in Miami, I think if he's like their starting slot receiver, if he can get a lot of targets in that offense, we have no idea what it's going to look like. Um, but I just think his ability to make plays after the catch is what makes him potentially like great value because you can literally get him for free now. Dude, Albert Wilson and Fitzmagic is an incredible combo. Hell yeah. I love Let's that one. This. I love it. DK. Oh, no, not DK. You just spoke. Craig. My Philip Lindsay Award goes to Dante Pettis on yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, He's the number one wide receiver on a team with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. And we're going to play a fun game here. None of you look at your computers. Neither of you, Danny's. Name four wide receivers on the San Francisco 49ers. Kendrick Bourne, Debo Samuel, 
Marquise Goodwin, who just got hurt today, Dante Pettis. Good job. Wow, is it? Oh, okay. And he, Hurd. Yeah, Jalen Hurd. Okay. Oh, I forgot about him. You're talking about Jalen Hurd? What's that? You're talking about Jalen Hurd? Yes. Um, okay, good job. But I just want to... <laughs> good. That's fine. I challenge all of you to ask your friends at home. That's why we're on this podcast, because we can name them. But, Did we say Trent Taylor? No. You're showing off now. Yeah, cool, hey, no, I'm just the only reason I bring it up, and I'm not trying to rain on your parade, Craig. But Trent Taylor has gotten a strange amount of hype lately. Oh, I don't think it hurt. It doesn't necessarily hurt Pettis. I'm just saying it's it's, it's to me that's something to monitor going forward. But continue with Pettis. Anyway, this will, last in last year from weeks 12 to 15, he was the wide receiver eight, and right now. Already when I made this doc, he was going as the wide receiver 33, and now he's at the wide receiver 31. So people are catching on. Yeah, he's on the rise. But um, I think he just clearly falls under the Philip Lindsay Award of like guy who you're, it's like week nine, and we're like, damn, Dante Pettis is shredding it on an amazing offense in San Francisco, and they're like seven and two. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo said, Dante's body is maturing a few days ago. <laughs> so that's always a good sign. It's bulking oh, season for Dante Pettis. <laughs> Core muscle healing. Yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, I think whoever grabs the number one receiver job in San Francisco is a great value at this point, clearly. I, I don't think it's going to be Debo. I, I'm on the Pettis train. Um, Pettis is good. He passed the eye yeah. test. I think it's a good sign yeah. of like where generally people's expectations are like structurally wrong. If you're in on the 49ers being like, oh, they might be a one seed this year. If that's how you feel, then like you should grab Dante 100%. Pettis. 100%. Believe in yeah, like if you're bullish on um, what Garoppolo can do in a Kyle Shanahan offense, I mean, obviously we saw what Beathard and... Um, Mullins did in that offense like it's a quarterback friendly offense that's like, a good cheap stack in daily yeah lineups if too. they go off you have to be high on Pettis I think I I like this one I like this whole group actually uh, now oh this is my favorite award the Brandon Stokely award guys down the depth chart who are still valuable love Brandon Stokely Randall third receivers under the radar guys that we like because they're in good offenses DK leading off yeah this is a little bit cheating since he's probably not that Rando, but Kiki Kuti of the Texans, I think, you know, obviously number three behind Will Fuller and Hopkins. Um, but he's Watson's underneath option. Obviously, they have a strong connection. He was a target hog in the games that he played last year. Um, I saw this stat from Mike Clay on Twitter. It's super interesting. Uh, Texans receiver Kiki Kuti played in five full games last season. So I, i.e. games they didn't leave early. Uh, his targets in those games. 50 targets, 36 catches, 380 yards, and two touchdowns. Compare that to DeAndre Hopkins, who had 47 targets, 34 catches, 476 yards, and three touchdowns. So, like, their wow, their production was actually pretty close. And you can get Kuti late. I don't. What's his ADP right now? It's it's really far. It's 118 in PPR. He's the wide receiver, 49. So. You can get that for free. Obviously, Hopkins is a better player and and much more valuable and fancy. But for the you know the value that you're looking at there, that that potential upside just as a PPR machine, I think it is really really interesting. That is absolutely wild. And damn. Also, DeAndre Hopkins was much more injured last year than uh, has kind of publicly knowledge he hit a, he kind of hit a bunch of injuries and revealed them during the offseason. Yeah, that target stat is nuts. That's that's a that's a wow. Dude. You wowed us, DK. Craig, can you <laughs> wow. wow us right now? Can you wow Thanks us with the Brandon Stokely? That, yeah. This guy's not very wow inducing. Ted Ginn Jr. He is for DK. That's this right. Is, DK's favorite player. It's like my brand for full This is the original yeah. the original wow. So <laughs> DK and Mays laughed DK off the pod for picking Ted Ginn and then he crushed it. So uh, Ted Ginn is currently going as the wide receiver 76, which is coincidentally his age. Um, oh. Last year through three weeks, he had 12 catches, 135 yards, and two touchdowns. He was the wide receiver 40 and he was on the field for 74% of New Orleans pass plays, which is his highest rate since 2009. The year before last year, led all wide receivers with a 77% catch rate. He was the wide receiver 34 and he's going as the wide receiver 76. That team has Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, and then Traquan Smith. Like you just, yeah, you like, just can't kill Ted Ginn. No, like Ted Ginn should be on your roster. Like <laughs> wide just, receiver 2009 and you just rattled me. I was thinking of 2009, like healthcare.gov and shit. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, that's such a long time. The, thing, really in the, NFL. the thing about Ginn is... <laughs> everyone's always so worried about his like drops and everything and his catch rate. He's really efficient now. Like he really turned his career. He led all wide receivers two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. That's insane. He was 2017's Michael Thomas. (laughs) Uh, What? How do you feel about him versus Traquan Smith? He plays more. 
But will that be the case? I don't know. Probably not. I, I, I would assume that Traquan Smith will end up taking over the, the, the job as the season goes on. And Ted Ginn's age, you, who knows what's going to happen. 76 compared to Traquan's. Let me check Traquan's. Traquan Smith is going as the wide receiver 59. I mean, 16 spots ahead of Ted Ginn? I don't know. I Take them both and see how it goes. I like that. My Brandon Stokely, sticking to the spirit of the award, Denver Bronco. Although I guess... I'm no, he's here. a Seahawks great. Yeah. What? <laughs> Brandon Stokely's a Colt first, primarily. What are you <laughs> no, he's a longtime Seahawks great. He played in Seattle for one season, I believe. Oh, I didn't even... I don't think I knew oh, okay. that. Okay, I was like, the age <laughs> oh, difference yeah. is coming he out here. He was great. He, he caught a touchdown, little known fact. People don't remember this because the Beastquake was so huge, but... Oh. Uh, he he caught a touchdown in that Beastquake game. Wow. Yeah, no, no one remembers that. You're right. Wow. <laughs> my anyway, my Brandon Stokely's Deshaun Hamilton on the Broncos. I'm gonna give out two awards at once here because Deshaun is my Brandon Stokely because I'm giving Emmanuel Sanders my Ocho Cinco award. And Ocho Cinco award is the once good guy who's still being treated like he's good, but he's really not good. This one's I I I don't I'm not happy with this because Emmanuel Sanders is really nice guy, has great birthday Instagrams. You should check them out. They're like really well produced. He has cool parties. Um, okay. But he tore his Achilles in December. Yeah. He is 32 years old. He's in the final year of his contract. The Broncos are very willing to let veteran players go. John Elway is tenured forever. Um, I'm not confident that he's, he can return from Achilles in nine months at 32. And I'm not confident he's going to keep that job. Uh, him and Cortland Sutton got to a fight at training camp this week. They then played it off saying they would joke pay-per-view. That is really rare. I don't want to let that go. Like training camp fights happen between like offensive and defensive linemen in practice. Position groups do not fight that often. Wide receivers do not get into like physical fights in practice. Joe Flacco <laughs> said it's a first time for everything. And I, I, you know, they were like, oh, we, you know, from the same town, they both went to SMU. It's like they're fighting for the receiver one job and they kind of know it. And I think, I think at the end, like the Broncos actually have pretty good receivers. They're going to end up with Sutton's going to be the number one. Deshaun Hamilton's the slot. And I think Flacco's actually going to be passing him quite a bit. And Deshaun Hamilton's another guy who's undrafted. I think Sutton's going 97th. Uh, Sanders going 110th. And Deshaun Hamilton's undrafted. I would I would take Deshaun over Sanders himself. Which I hate to say because I love Sanders as a guy and a player. But um, I think he might be done. So Deshaun, that's my it's my brand Stokely. Achilles injuries suck. And it's tough. I, I, I feel I feel bad saying it. it's It's not funny. Um, but it, it is what it is. So well, that's kind of a downer. But moving on. <laughs> Yeah. The post-hype sleeper, which again, self-explanatory. DK, who's your post-hype sleeper for 2019? Uh, I'm going with Will Fuller. Obviously, expectations were high last season, uh, and then he got hurt. He tore his ACL, so he's coming off of an ACL injury. But I just think if Fuller can play a full season, he legitimately has wide receiver one upside in the sense that he'll finish in the top 12 scoring. Um that's that's like best case scenario. He, he has just such an amazing connection with Deshaun Watson. Um, in ele- I saw this stat on Twitter. In the 11 games that they've played together in their career, and that's like over two seasons, uh, Fuller, uh, Fuller has caught 45 passes for 782 yards and 11 touchdowns. He has an, an incredible touchdown rate, um, which everyone seems to think is not repeatable, which is probably the case. But he's the type of deep threat that maybe it just is repeatable. Anyways, extrapolate that. To a full season, that's 65 catches, 13, or 1,137 yards, and 16 touchdowns. So that's, I mean, the six, the 16 touchdowns puts him in wide receiver one territory. So, you know, I don't know if the, he's going to be able to get that this year, but if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a massive season. Um, he's a really good value based on where he is right now. Let's see here. He is number, he's wide receiver 31 going off the board, 77th overall. So, yeah, I just like his value a lot. He's got that Tyler Lockett energy where he's just like magnetic to TDs. Yeah, totally. Ah, Screams regression, but some guys are just good at it. But I I think Kuti could get... If Fuller stops scoring and Kuti gets the targets and Kuti's a better fantasy player than Fuller, it wouldn't be shocking. That's my only issue with Fuller, but obviously yeah. I mean, he's a really I'm, fun player. To personally, uh, yeah, I get the regression argument. I'm a little more worried about his injury history, but... Man, if he could just, oh man, if he could stay healthy, I just think. Well, speaking of if he could stay healthy, I but know. Craig. Uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I don't even feel that great about this. But yeah, I, no shit. I'm just putting it out there. So <laughs> in like, in like. You just want this on the record. Yes, I do. In four months, we can be like, check the tape. Sammy Watkins is the wide receiver eight right now. Uh, yeah, so it's Sammy Watkins. Obviously, health is a huge factor. But wide receiver 16 last year in eight games. Pretty impressive. And. Is it? 
Kind of. Considering he's in the best offense in the NFL, so that's and he surprisingly, like, despite his talent and skills, was played a lot of like underneath, like was like a, an underneath guy. He caught thirty-two mm-hmm. of his forty targets within five yards of the line of scrimmage last year, and still managed to be wide receiver sixteen. Um, he's good in the playoffs. Had one hundred fourteen yards and a touchdown in his last game. Um, I don't know I, if he's healthy and he plays sixteen games, he's going to be a low end wide receiver too. And if Tyree Hill misses time, look out. Who knows? I yeah. love this, like, logically yeah. and rationally. He's a post-hype sleeper. If I'm being 100% honest, if I'm looking at Sammy Watkins and that button that says draft, I don't have it in me. I, I, mean, I don't I, have the heart. I Can't get do it. it. Uh, speaking of similar player, the Leonard Fournette Award, biggest bust. Guys in the top 36 who are really worried will drop massively next year. I think we're unanimous on this, so let's just open it up. Yeah. Frozen Foot Clinic himself, Antonio Brown, who... The story goes, as Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk has reported as of Wednesday afternoon, that he froze his feet in cryotherapy. <laughs> he didn't wear the correct shoes in cryotherapy. Yes, he didn't wear the correct shoes. Weirdest story I can remember. He There's got to be something more to this. How did he injure his feet so badly? Did he try? Was it like a Michael Scott thing where he ironed or he, he, uh, <laughs> he George Foreman grill? Did he panini his feet or whatever? Something's Holy going shit. on there. Uh, <laughs> wow. Regardless, I'm a little bit worried. Even if his feet are okay, <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about his production going forward. Obviously, I think the the downgrade from Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr is massive, and the offense change is massive. Um, you know, like we talked about a lot. Like he, they had so many. They had they led the NFL in passing attempts last year. They've always been super explosive as passers. The, the Steelers I'm talking about. Now going to the Raiders and Carr is over the last few years has been like a check down maniac. It's just all, uh, you know, it's all super low a dot, um, very unexplosive. I'm just a little bit worried about him being able to produce at a level worth his ADP. Uh, from Scott Barrett's awesome 96 stats piece at PFF today, uh, he had this great stat throughout his career. Brown averages 8.4 fantasy points per game without Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. There's been 10 of those games. In all other games, that's 130 games. He averages 19.4 fantasy points per game. So they're very intertwined, clearly. That's a great number because it illustrates something that is obvious when you watch them in the field, which is Antonio Brown's skill set is he can get open and like catch. He can create a window that no matter where you are, and Roethlisberger always finds him at the exact moment. I mean, yeah. his back shoulder throws are, I mean, the most unguardable route in the entire NFL is Antonio Brown along the sideline. That's a timing, chemistry, feel thing that just is not replicable, at least not immediately. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders last year, just to compare the two offenses, so what you're getting into, the Raiders were 28th in points last year. The Steelers were sixth. The Raiders were 24th in offensive plays last year. The Raiders were, or the Steelers were fifth. The Raiders were 24th in pass DDs, and the Steelers were fifth. So, I mean, it's a massive downgrade. So, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding him in drafts, and so uh, it's just, it, it makes me worry. Here's the thing: if let's just say he was still in the Steelers, he led the league in touchdowns. That alone would be enough to be like, all right, well, maybe he gets nine or nine this year instead of 15. That alone, like, how much better than 20 would he be going? I actually don't think he was low enough before this whole foot thing happened. Like, no. I know it's kind of wild to think, but I think he's 31. And he, there are underlying numbers do suggest that he's not no longer peak. He's at the he's coming down the other side of the mountain, Apex Mountain. I know we love that here. Uh, he's certainly not longer Apex Mountains behind him. He's coming down the slope. I he's the most likely of like the elite receivers I, I, to decline. Even yeah. if you're still in the Steelers, I don't think we're factoring in that in addition to this. Even if you don't buy that, he's on a different team. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that. I don't agree with you. If he was in the Steelers, he would not be going where he's going now. He was the wide receiver one in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Yeah, but last year his yardage went way down in Juju. Because he was he, a wide receiver five last year. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, he's not yeah. going 20th. Lot. If he's on the Steelers, he's going this is the top two 12, or three wide 13. receiver. First round. Okay. I'm, I just, I'm just surprised that. It's this is a Raiders thing, not an Antonio Brown. Yes, thing. that's what I'm. Okay, yes, yeah, I'm yeah, saying yes, he's not exactly. fallen as much as you would think, or maybe I'm wrong. I think physically he's. Ju- I mean, I don't know. He's just as he's 31. He's not also f- before we go. What do we think of this feet situation? <laughs> he put on Vans when he got into the crowd, Jerry Thamber, you know, into the chamber. What, what can you say? Put on. I the think right this shoes. is an elaborate spawn con for like a like a really great bunion revolutionary, <laughs> like a foot lotion, <laughs> Jim. Uh, what do you think of Antonio Brown potentially just being like, it's a long con to just be spawn con? I can see this being an ad, yeah. The only thing that mattered was some guy wrote on Instagram that his feet looked like the Declaration of Independence. 
which I thought was the best ever. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. All right, let's just run through the tiers receivers. Uh, again, tiers are a really helpful thing to have when you're drafting. Um, just and you're like, oh, I have 12 seconds left. What do I do? The tier thing is is basically just for finding cliffs. Like if you want to get a tier one receiver, you have to plan it out based on what you're where you are in the round and, and how much longer like you have until your next pick. So let's just go through tier one. Um, I'll just read them off. Actually, we got DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., and Juju Smith Schuster. I think generally speaking, people believe those are like the top receivers in in fantasy football and real football. Yeah, I, yeah, those are just lock them in wide receiver ones as long as they're healthy. Um, tier run, two? Yeah, run through it, DK. All right, in tier two, we've got Tyreek Hill. We've got Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton. I could, I, I feel like I could make the case for Evans being in tier one, but not yet quite. And then in tier three, we've got Julian Edelman, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. I think both of those guys kind of get a little bit of a drop because of the perceived run heavy option uh, run heavy offense going forward this season amari cooper aj green who's battling an injury brandon cooks robert woods and cooper cup yeah green there is obviously the name that sticks out because who knows what to do with him i personally have no interest in a receiver that i mean first of all the first timeline they gave was just wrong and like i don't know how to get that so wrong he was hurt the whole thing was weird i the whole thing is bizarre and i look i had doug baldwin in some leagues last year i don't want a receiver that's hurt going into the season especially an ankle injury mm, for receivers. Yeah. So. Uh, tier four, we got Kenny Galladay, Galladay uh, Chris Godwin, Calvin That's your Ridley. Son. Get his yeah, name. Yeah, Baby Tron. Uh, Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore. I think this is pretty straightforward. These guys are like high upside, really good young receivers. And Ridley and Lockett have similar questions about whether their like absurd touchdown uh, rates can sustain yeah, because they exactly. scored a lot last year. Exactly. Uh, tier five, Jarvis Landry, Mike Williams, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, Robbie Anderson, Sammy Watkins, and Will Fuller. This is like the guys, they were good a year ago or they will be good in a year. I feel like <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey is like the ghost of Christmas past for Mike Williams. <laughs> is that? <laughs> what do we I think, think of he's that? Good. I think he'll be a good value this year. Yeah, uh, tier too. six. I think Allen Robinson is the name to watch there, but Same. sorry, yeah, tier six. No doubt. I, I'm with you actually. Uh, tier six, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk. Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Curtis Samuel, Kiki Kuti, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Sterling Shepard, and D.D. Westbrook. Those are my guys. Love love MVS. High, high upside guys who just need to like, make the jump. And then obviously with Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, uh, Tate's suspended, Sterling Shepard is injured, so there's some question marks there. They probably would have been in a higher tier if they hadn't had those question marks. That will be the draft Evan Ingram. That will be the epitaph on the Giants' grave. There were some <laughs> question marks. Yeah. Um, thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Jim. And thank you to Evan Campbell for making our theme song. Uh, Evan, you can really ball some. So thank you. We'll be back next week. 